podcast. My name is Charlie McMahon, and I am hosting this with Lori Horseman. And we're so glad you're with us. We're going to talk today about filters and seeing our filters. And this bounces off the last session, Lori, when we talked about the reality of how how dementia, as a, as a lot of crisis does in life, just strips us down soul to soul. Mm-hmm. And the earlier we can get to soul to soul, the more we'll be able to deal with that crisis soul to soul. But one of the things that you say is a barrier to getting to that soul to soul is our lack of awareness of our filters. Right. How we're choosing to see a given situation may not at all be a reflection of the reality of that of that situation. And so get, use, tell the listeners the example of the tissue boxes, and let's bounce off that because this could this could represent a hundred different scenarios that <laughs> yeah. are similar that I'm sure you have in your catalog of memory uh, of people doing things. Yeah, that I give you all could, kinds yeah, of weird scenarios. Falsely um, interpreted. So, for example... Um, I had a adult daughter come to me and she was just beside herself with her dad's quote unquote behavior. And she, and I, I basically asked her, tell me what's going on. And immediately her filters were very negative. He's, he's wasteful. He's making a mess. He's, um, acting childish. And these were all very negative filters that she was using to describe the situation. And I told her, I was like, okay, here's what I want you to do. You know, I want you to take an approach of like a detective coming on a crime scene. Take the emotion out mm. of it and just give me the facts. Mm. So here's what it comes down to, and I'm going to kind of wake, wake, you know, walk you down. So you understand that dementia messes with various parts of your brain, and it causes you to do things that might not make sense to somebody who has a fully functioning brain because with our fully functioning brain, we're going to use filters to see what you're doing, and sometimes we're going to totally miss what it is you're trying to do. So in this particular case, her father, who was in his early 80s, was taking the tissue boxes. And he was pulling every single tissue out of the box as fast as he could and throwing them onto the floor and just doing this. And then he would then take the empty tissue box and put the empty tissue box on his foot. So right away, she was like, he's wasteful. You know, he's throwing all this away. He's making a mess. Mm. He's doing this on purpose. He knows how much I hate it. All of this negative, negative, negative filter. So I'm like, hold up a second. Now, if I backed you out of that situation and that's not your father and it's not your tissue that you paid for and it's you don't see it as wasteful, but you're actually watching what he's doing. He was trying to get an empty tissue box to put on his foot. What was he trying to do? His feet were cold. He was just Mm. trying to put something on his feet and he recognized that that, you know, that rectangular tissue box looks like a shoe. So rather than going and getting his slippers, because he wasn't sure how to do that, he saw these two boxes right there. He opened them up. There was tissue in the way. He mm. got the tissue out of the way to put the tissue box on his foot. So it wasn't that he was being wasteful. He wasn't trying to push her buttons. He wasn't trying to be annoying. He wasn't trying to make more messes for her. He was just trying to get to a need, just trying to meet a basic human need. My feet are cold. I'm going to put this box on my foot. When you break it down and you strip it down and you get rid of your filters of seeing it as a bad thing, an annoying thing, there's just one more thing you're doing to make my life hard, stop and bring it all the way down to that human core. What is that individual trying to do? I mean, we've all seen 
babies do some of the craziest things. Like my kids would empty out the boxes and they'd crawl inside of the boxes right, and shut right, the lids. Right, yeah. Now, why is that cute when they're an infant? But if your adult dad who's 80 years old doing something like that, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Your filter's changed. Mm-hmm. Your filter changed. It went from being an acceptable behavior to a not acceptable behavior. Yeah. But what if I told you that brain is going backwards and that even though he looks like an 85-year-old man, he's got the brain capacity of mm-hmm. a 19-month-old. Would that change the way you look at it? Yeah. And that's what I try to get through to these caregivers is like, stop using your filter of how he should be, what he should be able to do, how you want him to do it. I want you to take a shower and I want you to do it right now. And I want you to do it like this because I told you that's what I want. But if you don't understand what I'm asking you to do and you don't get my words coming out of my mouth and you have the capacity of a two-year-old, are you going to do it the way I want you to do it? Mm. No. Okay, so what's the key? A person's in that situation, one of the things we teach in Players Box is the reset. We taught this last night in our session with the reset process of, of free it, take a deep breath, and free up the anxiety, flush it, choose a reset word to get your brain reset, and then focus it. What's the one thing you can do next that is a positive action? How does that apply here? Because there has, I assume there has to be some tool that I've developed that allows me to pause and go, mm-hmm. okay, I'm seeing this through the filter of I'm a beaver, I, I'm a perfectionist, I want order. This is utterly deconstructing the order of my right. life. Because that, that's what I hear when I hear that. Yep. I bet her house is really neat and clean and yes. her closets yep. are organized. And anything and out that. of, yep. Exactly. So, well, boom, this is colliding with so that So what I told her to do, and what I tell everybody to do, is I want you to stop and I want you to give me five deep breaths because remember we got to clear our head. Mm-hmm. I need some oxygenated blood in that brain to make a decision. I said, and then I want you to look around the room and find one thing you like about this individual. One thing. That's the positive focus. Give me one thing today that they did right. One thing you like about them. And sometimes it just might be, hey, he decided to wear pants today. That's a good thing. Mm. But go with that. Find the one thing. Stop being so hypercritical of them because your energy, like we talked about in the last one, what do you think your energy feels like to them? Mm -hmm. Everything he's doing, he's doing wrong. So why why would he gravitate towards you then? Why He's feeling that... Your judgment. Contention. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's feeling that. So if you're so angry with him because he emptied the tissues, stop. What is one good thing about this situation? And it might just come down to the most basic, like, okay, so today he decided to wear pants, or today he decided to eat his breakfast without making a mess. Mm -hmm. Take that as the win and start right there. Regroup, rebalance, refocus. Because I think it's very, very difficult for us as fully functioning adults to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who has dementia because it's a huge unknown. We don't understand why are you doing this? And we think that you're doing it to us, that you're doing it by choice, that you're choosing to Mm -hmm. give us, and you're not, they're not. And that's why I tell people, you don't get angry like this with a child. You always play the pickup game. Isn't that what they do when you sit them in a high chair? They throw the food to the floor, you pick it up, and they do it again, Mm -hmm. and you think that's great. But if an adult's doing that, that's not so great. So a lot of it is that acceptance of that, that, Cognitive dig- digression, right? That yep, there's it's a, retrogenesis. The, the the retrogenesis that's taking place. Well, let's walk through. I mentioned a personality type. So in the in the players box, we use the Smalley system: the lion, beaver, otter, golden retriever. And I'm going to put you on the spot here because we didn't prep for this. 
But how does each type struggle with this reality? So the lion is the very direct, mm -hmm. take charge, competitive. We often think of football coaches are, are usually lion types. And um, beavers are the perfectionists, lawyers, accountants, doctors. Otters are, you think of a playful otter, the social, engaging, usually they joke at inappropriate times to relieve pressure. The golden retrievers are the loyalists. They absorb pain in relationship in order to continue that relationship. Let's walk through those quickly and how they will struggle mm. with their filters. So you got, so Eric is a lion. Mm -hmm. So Eric's a lion. How will he struggle um, with this? The lion is not going to want to accept that this is dementia. They're not going to want to accept that there is any chink in the armor. They're not going to want to accept that. So there's going to be a whole lot of ignoring it as it starts. When you can really be getting in there and doing some foundational work, they're not going to want to be doing okay. that work. So watch for denial mm -hmm. on your part. Yep. It's funny because you get too deep into denial. You get in denial that you're in denial. So you, it has to be something that, yep. as a lion, I prep myself yep. that I may be prone to this. Do not ignore it. Okay. So we already basically covered the beaver. Is there anything else in terms of so that beaver is that their, their handwriting's neat? They, they don't want the room out of order. The beaver's probably also going to do a lot of research on the disease and want answer, 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 okay. answer. And I can't always give you answers. Okay. They're so the do the research. Yeah, do but the research. But I can't give you an answer on one somebody's going to die. I can't tell you what this is going to, I can't, because that's usually the one that comes, okay, Lori, so what's next? What can I, I'm like, I can't always tell you that because I don't know how this disease is going to A plus take a B doesn't always equal C. No, this, does it? Yeah. no, that's why I tell people dementia is not black and white. It's a lot of gray. And so they're going to have a hard time grasping that because they want concrete answers. I'm okay. like, I can't give you those. The, the core fear of the lion is fear of inadequacy. I'm not going to be good enough. The core fear of the beaver is fear of being wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're going to be wrong, right? You're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong. wrong, yeah. That's why I tell people you're going to get this that. wrong more than you get it right. Okay, the fear of the otter is being excluded, which is huge with this. What if I had a close relationship with my parent, and now it's as if they don't know me? What will that do to their filter? The otter is going to have a hard time making a connection because when that family member starts to go flat effect and there's no more emotion coming out, they're going to feel like they've been rejected. Yes. And they're going to feel like, well, you know, here, I just go ahead and take them because there's nothing more I can do. And they start to take it more of a personal thing as opposed to what someone mm. else is going through. Mm. So that, that's a tough one. Um, that caregiver is the one that's going to need a lot of care around them to support them up saying, no, you're still doing the best you can. Yeah. Because they're going to, their personality comes from somebody pouring into them, and that person who used to pour it into them the most isn't doing it anymore. Yeah. The golden retriever, clearly with that imagery, is the loyalist. They, they usually uh, make the best caregivers. Yeah, I would assume. What's their danger? Because I would assume they're pretty good at this, to be honest. Are they are they at risk of just not even caring about themselves? Yeah. Because that's, 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 yeah. that's the absorb, <laughs> that's the golden retriever, right? That's the one that ends up the with pain. the, yeah, that's the one that ends up with their own um, physical ailments because they didn't put their self first at all. And they'll end up doing everything and anything for that person. And it almost is like um, they forget to eat. They forget to ask for help. They forget to do the fact that, hey, there's going to be life beyond this. And you've, you've got to be able to come back out and do this. So their filter won't necessarily be projected onto how they're viewing the tissues coming out of the box. But their filter will, will be blind to themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
not seeing their own reality right. as it is. Right. You, you've, I mean, you've hinted that that's what easily could have happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Uh, why did you? Why did you intercept that? What was the? What was present that allowed you to intercept that? Was it? Hey, yeah, I fell on my knees. I mean, I, I got. Um, I mean, I, there were two sets of eyes looking up at me that were seven years old. Yeah. Okay. And they're like, "Mom, are you okay?" Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not. And that's when I realized that my life's not going to end at this point. I have to turn around and look at these two and like show them how you stand back up and how you do have to put yourself first. And you do have to take care of yourself mm -hmm. because otherwise I was no good for them. So it's like I was, you know, you, and as a woman, I think we do this thinking we have to do it all and we can't ask for help. And uh, like, that's just dumb. And the problem though is that when you do ask for help, you don't even know what to ask for. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who to ask. The doctors looked at me like, well, um, he has dementia. Here's the Aricept. Come back and see us in a year. Mm -hmm. So they were no help. And then if I told somebody that my father had Lewy body's dementia, they shut the doors on me so fast because they were afraid of this disease, especially if a man had it. So I was isolated. I was being isolated by the community at large. Then, of course, my brothers were like, well, we're busy, but we, pay, we feel for what you're going through. But we'll see, there, we'll see in three weeks when we come for Easter. And I'm like, really? So, you start to, so the world starts to isolate you. So that's when you have to stand up and say, okay, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm in this with them. I'm not walking away. That's how it is. Didn't have a great relationship with my father, but you know what? We're going to make this work. Mm -hmm. And so it's just day by day. You cannot try to make a plan because those plans are going to fall. You have to have mm -hmm. plan A, B, C, and D. It's just like taking a kid out of the house. If you're going to take an infant out, be ready. And I started to learn that, all right, it's about him. It's about what he's going through today. It's about his connect, my connection with him. And I realized that there were things that I was doing that would trigger his behaviors. He had no choice. He had none. There was nothing left in his brain to choose not to react to that trigger. Mm -hmm. So I had all the choices to make. So I was either going to choose that he was going to, I was going to take my bad day and dump it on him and he was going to give it back to me tenfold, or I was going to try to take his struggles and ease them for him as much as I could. Did you have anybody in that situation that in your context when it was most intense that you could rely on Give me feedback on how I'm doing with myself. Probably would have been my husband. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because it's like he learned quickly to keep his mouth shut on some things <laughs> because it wasn't his mom and dad, but at the same time, he also said, you know, that's incredibly strong. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. But then he also realized that, so this was really weird, um, and I always tell people this, is that there was the three of us, me, my mom, and my dad doing this, but my, my husband was like the, the support holding me up. My mom poured the energy into me to, for me to be able to take care of her and my dad. How that worked, I'm not entirely sure. Because mom never lost her clarity. Hmm. It was her body was giving out on her. But through all of that, the emotional connection that I had with her, that basis of the foundation, that chemical component, she kept filling me up to go in and take care of him and then come back and then take care of her. I never felt drained because of what she kept pouring into me. Mm -hmm. It was kind of interesting how that worked. Mm -hmm. And I want to look into that dynamic because how the caregiver Fascinating, is yeah. taking care, how the person needing care is taking care of the caregiver to be able to turn around and give it back to you. Yeah. So because yeah. of that relationship with her, I was able to do what I was doing for my dad and my kids. And then my husband just kept kind of like, whenever I was down, he'd wipe away the tears and clean up the bruises and back in you go. Yeah. And so, yeah, 
he was like the silent support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, I don't think there's a session we do this where I don't have come to mind, at least, at least not in the last few. I just keep thinking about build your house on the rock because the storm is going to come. Mm-hmm. Don't build on sand. And the imagery that Jesus presents when he used that famous parable was it's really convenient to build on the sand. You don't have to dredge the rocks up all the way up the beach onto firm mm-hmm. ground. Just easier to just build build on <laughs> the sand. Just put it right there. You know? And, but you're going to pay for that because yep. it's not if the storm comes. It is coming. And it seems like that it's so much. I mean, it's just so much of what you do is preparatory, preparatory. Mm-hmm. You've got to be prepared. When it comes to filters, which by definition we're unaware of those. Right. What preparation do all of us, lions, beavers, otters, golden retrievers, what's the one common denominator that all of us need to invest in now so that when that time comes, we're, we're aware of our tendencies? We've talked about this before, and we focus really hard on this in the brain boot camps, is that you're not born negative. You're not born realist, whatever you want to call it, pessimist. We're all born positive. You learn to be mm, negative. Mm. And that negative thinking, what it does to the you, to the people around you, to your health is just, we could do a whole study on this and mm. I could show you all kinds of research. You have to change your mindset. You have to change that filter. And that requires effort on your part. So when we talked about journaling, and that was one of the first things we talked about, but those three focuses, those three positives every night before you fall asleep, stop focusing on what went wrong and focus on what went right. It could just be, and I had a gentleman go, Lord, I can't find anything positive in my world. And I'm like, you're looking too, you're going too deep. Come up, come up a little bit. Did somebody just smile at you today? Did the sun come up? Mm-hmm. Was that sunset amazingly mm-hmm. beautiful? Write that down. Start putting your focus on the positive things. And then your filter will clearly, it'll start to change. You'll start to see things a little bit more clearly and less negative, less um, judgmental, less harsh, less, well, okay, pessimistic. I guess this is what it is. And it's my lot in life. No. Because we know that negative mindsets can call in diseases and hold on to diseases and make you sicker. Mm. We know this. I've seen this. Like it's like, and I've seen people. Fact, I've no. seen people walk through fire without getting singed because of just a mindset. Yeah. I watched my mom do this with cancer three times over, and I just—it's your mindset. So where you choose to go, what you choose to focus on, you can change that. So those three positives, like even in that caregiver in that moment when you're losing it. Find one positive thing. Mm. Stop right there and now change your mindset. Take off the stinking thinking glasses and Mm. put on the pink filter and start to see it through your rosy glasses. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you might have to fake it until you make it. Mm -hmm. But you start training your brain to look for the positives, listen for the positives. You'll find them. You don't need help in finding the negatives. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. I mean, again, this just so marries with what we teach. We we tell students every second your body's producing 800,000 new cells. And when you're thinking positively and you're talking training positively, them. you are imprinting health on those cells mm-hmm. at a cellular, at a DNA level. Yep. It's amazing. It's amazing. And the implications of that over a lifetime are huge. Huge. Lori Horseman, as always, you're a pro. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. 